Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Check it out. It is the ultimate and commercial agent training. Learn more at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Well, today we're going to talk about Biden's budget strategies, right? His new budget has uh, some a lot of things in there that could impact commercial real estate, um, impact the economy. Let's unwrap it and see uh, if we should be contacting our politicians, what we might want to say to them, and how things could impact the commercial real estate world and the economy. Please welcome my guest. It's Dan Wagner. He's Senior VP of Government Relations with the Inland Real Estate Group. Dan, good to see you again, sir. Michael, you are looking terrific. Uh, great seeing you, and uh, it's always wonderful to be on your show. Well, thank you, Dan. And uh, if you will, you know, I think the listeners here are commercial real estate brokers and owners and developers, right? And uh, all the folks who who support them. And in uh, Biden's tax plan, tell us the the uh, what's in there that could impact the commercial real estate world the most. Uh, absolutely. The, the the thing I'd like to uh, to highlight it's uh, it's kind of like ground, you know the Groundhog Day movie uh, with Bill Murray. This is what he put forward in the past and. We are uh, having to educate members of Congress why it's still not a good idea. Uh, I'd like to first start off with the U.S. Chamber. Uh, the Inland Real Estate Group is part of the U.S. Chamber, and they have a, they put out a statement. They said the administration's proposed budget is a recipe for economic and fiscal disaster. Nearly $2 trillion in spending increases will result in an economy where one out of every $4 is government spending. It's an unprecedented $5 trillion in taxes would hit businesses of all sizes and lead to lower wages for working Americans. So that's kind of an overall macro view of it. And then, you know, drilling down for our commercial real estate world, you know, Inland's been a part of the commercial real estate world for over 55 years. Uh, we're a part of trying to uh, to educate all of our members of Congress all the time about why uh, these things you know, don't make sense because you're killing the golden goose. Um, the real estate roundtable is a great organization and they have put out a couple uh, highlights one um the Biden administration wants the capital gains taxes that the, they want to have the combined tax rate long-term capital gains would nearly double from 23.8 percent to 44.6 percent uh, this results from increasing the maximum capital gains rate from 20 to 20 percent to 39.6 percent and a new proposal to increase the net investment income tax from 3.8 percent to five percent and then tax on unrealized capital gains. The, the Biden budget carries over the president's prior proposal to create a new minimum tax on the income and unrealized gains of certain taxpayers. The proposed rate is increased from 20% to 25%. The tax would apply to taxpayers with wealth exceeding 100 million. The proposal would effectively end the principle that gain is taxed when realized and impose a market to market regime for taxing annual fluctuations in asset values. The tax would retroactively apply to existing built-in gains at the time of enactment, and there's uh, you know a whole variety of things. But you know one of the big big uh, you know spark plugs of our economy, of our real estate economy, is the 1031 like kind exchange. And again, uh, the president wants to cap it at five hundred thousand dollars, and we know that by capping it at any amount is basically eliminating the entire 
1031, even being able to utilize it. Um, but they also want to look at uh, increase the top tax rate on ordinary income to 39.6% and uh, raise the top capital gains rate, as we talked about, um, and then expand the limitation on excess business losses for non-corporate taxpayers by converting the limitation from a one-year deferral to a permanent compartmentalization of active pass-through losses. Uh, modify tax rules for grantor uh, retained annuity trusts and grantor trusts. Prevent uh, basis shifting by related parties through partnerships. And uh, require 100% recapture of depreciation deductions as ordinary income for certain depreciable, depreciable real estate. And tax uh, carried interest as ordinary income. So um, all these things are are clearly impacted us, Michael. So we are uh, we're very concerned with with this um, because we know that um, that this this budget is not gonna pass. We know that. Um, we have the uh, the House of Representatives is a Republican, um, is under Republican control. And there's, you know, the, the gridlock is the, kind of the uh, the thought of the, is what's happening in Washington. And for many of us, um, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> gridlock is a good thing. So um, we are understanding that, that this budget is uh, dead on arrival. Um, but what it does do, it, it sends a message that we as a real estate industry, that we have to continue to work hard to, uh, to fight for, um, for everything that we know is part of the very um, blood and tissue and sinew of our, of our economy, and that's real estate. Um, a couple of things I just would highlight before we get into the 1031 discussion is that when you think of the uh, what we need to do to, to work with our legislators and, and communicate with them. One of the things I always highlight, I have my uh, my RPAC, I'm a, uh, I'm a presidential circle, golden R, RPAC uh, proud member, uh, Hall of Fame member for the National Association of Realtors. And uh, that's been a great investment. And of course, I'm wearing my, uh, my Realtor R uh, red pen and if you're not involved in your local association as a commercial person, I suggest you do because the amount of resources and energy that uh, your your local association and state association, and national association of realtors, they are very impactful for what we do for the for uh, commercial real estate. So those are uh, those are the the overall big picture stuff. But Michael, would you like me to get into some of the 1031 talking points? Yeah, if we can, let's uh, do that because I think uh, you know the 1031 seems to be on the chopping block, uh, um, uh, you know, all the time. It's like it's been around for a hundred years. Really benefits the economy, but let's start with look. What are the revenue increase in revenues that that Biden's budget thinks that if they eliminate or limit the 1031, how much more in taxes they believe they're going to bring in? Well, that's, this is what's so interesting. They, they believe they're going to bring in by capping the 1031 at $500,000 or 500, uh, th th what they believe is that they're going to bring in about uh, $2 billion a year. And what we say in Washington is the juice isn't worth the squeeze that in actuality, the amount of, uh, of what's created uh, by economic stimulus of the 1031, it's going to be really, you're going to really hurt how much is brought in for the economy. Um, Ernst & Young uh, did a study that, uh, that basically 2021, they updated it. They said that the 1031 um, exchanges support approximately 976,000 jobs, generating 48.6 billion of labor income and adding 97.4 billion in the US gross domestic product. 
And all this economic activity generates over 13 billion in annual tax revenue for the federal, state, and local government. So that's 8.2 billion of which is received by the federal government, plus 6 billion per year of additional federal income taxes due to foregone depreciation um, on the replacement property. And this creates a combined total of more than 19 billion of tax revenue. So that's 19 billion per year. And they're looking at doing uh, basically two uh, two billion a year, and it it the numbers don't work out. So um, when when the tax revenue supported by 1031 exchanges has been is roughly ten times the revenue score for limiting 1031 exchanges, it's just, it's not it's mathematically clear that capping the 1031 is very ineffective and counterproductive as a pay for. And remember, the capital gains taxes get paid when the investor cashes out. So the the money is is going to be paid it just is um you're you're letting it grow it's basically the 1031 what i love to explain to uh the members of congress and especially more importantly their staff members who i think their average age is 22 years old most of most uh staffers in washington know what a 401k is and if you think about it the 1031 exchange is kind of like a 401k you're um, using your pre-tax dollars to grow your investment and when you start explaining it that way it that's been probably the most effective thing that i've been able to do to explain how they're similar and how we have to keep the 1031 there and when uh because the, the new members of congress one of the first things that everybody looks at is how they could get their pet projects paid for they always look to the 1031 they think it's this loophole that people really don't pay taxes but um lincoln petrova did a study that said that after looking at 1.6 million transactions they concluded that 80 percent of the exchangers um that did a 1031 and sold their property on a taxable sale and one third of all exchangers pay some tax in the year of the exchange so it's just part of creating the the synergies in the economy and in our local in the, the local uh, governments and when you if you don't have the 1031 you're really throwing a wrench into the the workings of of uh, how our economy is going and property will just sit and we have lots of, of examples and michael i'm sure you've experienced um, the 1031 and, and all of its advantages uh, in, in all the years. I think you said that uh, you've been in business for, would you say, 25 years? Yeah, I started Bull Realty 25 years ago, and we certainly see that uh, a lot of sellers, that if they don't have the 1031 exchange, will just sit on older properties that you know, aren't being renovated. They're, they're hurting neighborhoods. Uh, I think the 1031 helps helps with housing. It helps with, I've seen it just change markets. And when you look at the revenue, the tax revenues that these exchanges create, that otherwise these these, these transactions won't happen, right? Um, right, exactly. And, and, and I see it firsthand. Uh, and, you know, oh, I've got to pay 40% taxes uh, or 50% Adam state or whatever. It's like, no, the, the math doesn't work. I'll just keep this decrepit old property. Uh, and not fix it up, you know. Right. And, and, and one of the numbers you picked out, you know, the EY uh, uh, report said that like kind exchanges generate 7.8 billion in annual state and local and federal taxes. Right. There's a lot of yeah. people in these exchanges that there are money changing hands, and a lot of taxes are, are paid. So it's interesting. You just look, almost you can pick out any aspect of it and think, why are we going to exchange bringing in two billion? When we're going to lose 7.8 billion there, or six billion of additional taxes paid by exchanging taxpayers due to foregone depreciation, you know, on those Absolutely. replacement properties. 
So it's like everywhere you look, why do we have to retrain them every time? Why do they keep bringing this up, Dan? What do we need to do as a commercial real estate uh, um, economy here, our environment, our, our people? What do we need to do to help help the uh, Congress realize that this is just crazy? doesn't make sense. Well, you see behind me, I have my picture of, of Lincoln. So uh, so I'm, I'm big in, uh, in working with our elected officials. Um, I, I love our history. And it's always been in America that you're able to go and, and talk to your member of Congress and let them know and of, of your business or what your issues are. And one of the things that, that I would recommend that everybody goes to uh, www.ipx1031.com slash action. And if they do that, they'll be able to go onto the website and type in their address, and then they can uh, have a, a letter that would be uh, put already created for them, and they would be able to just hit send, and it send, sends it to a member of Congress so that they know that there are people that are out there that will be impacted, and they should know that it directly impacts their community. Um, when you work with the National Association of Realtors, every member of Congress has a realtor attached to them. And that realtor um, is is usually someone that's been a confident, a campaign worker, a campaign manager, and those people are called federal political coordinators. They do a really good job to show how boots on the ground in the member's district, how the 1031 has in, been impactful. And I know that we have in, uh, in, in a town outside of Chicago is a town of Naperville. Naperville is a great example of uh, of why the 1031 was so important. You had um, an old Kmart building uh, right on Ogden Avenue that was just dilapidated for all these years. The owner was a very old gentleman that was never going to sell because of capital gains. And there was like a couple nail, a nail salon and massage parlor or whatever. And the town really wanted to get this off the main drag. So what was wonderful is the town was able to convince the, the gentleman to 1031 into an apartment complex. And then he sold his old Kmart to Costco and Costco scraped it built a new one and now that's generating a huge amount of sales tax for the community. And that's been just a win-win. And, you know, again, when people say, well, how are the jobs created? You said that uh, job, you know, 976,000 jobs are created by the 1031. Well, yeah, because of that one little example and here in Naperville, Illinois, just outside of Chicago, think of all the jobs that got created for, um, you know, selling the land, selling the property, um, the real estate in, engagements, the, the business transactions with the banks, and then, of course, the uh, laborers being able to, to uh, scrape the property and build new, and then all the jobs get created for the workers at Costco. Um, and that's just one little example. But I, the other thing, Michael, that's important for people to understand is that in underserved communities, the 1031 is vital because it's one of the few economic development tools that people have to bring in capital into an area that's really desperate for it. An example in Chicago is Bronzeville, um, the south side. You had the uh, a, a food desert and Mariano's was able to be brought into this, uh, this area for underserved folks because the this developer started developing and then a huge uh, firm from New York came and uh, 1031 exchange and, and brought in tons of capital it would never have been there and now a really beautiful uh, Mariano's grocery store is uh, is up and running and people are loving it um, that's a, a another wonderful example of how the 1031 is there 
But a couple of other interesting things that people might not be aware of in the commercial real estate space is that farmers um, are a big advocate for 1031s. But, you know, farmers are dirt rich and uh, cash poor, right? So when the farmer, when they uh, when they sell their, their property to, uh, especially to uh, the environmental groups, um, when, when someone wants to build, wants to have uh, a forest preserve, you want to um, have any type of, of land uh, environmental causes, they go to farmers and a farmer would never sell if they had to pay the capital gains because they don't have the money. So they 1031 exchange out of that and the, the, uh, the uh, different groups like Land Trust Alliance are able to purchase it and or, or here locally, the Conservation Foundation, um, they can purchase the land and that they were able to protect the open space, open space, and that's a really big deal to the environmental community. Um, so those are that, that's another example. And then the farmer uses the 1031 to be able to manage their um, their holdings. They get to shore up where they're uh, they might have a field 20 miles away. They could sell that and buy a contiguous field next to um, their operations. And so there's it's constantly the farmers are in and out of using the 1031 exchange all the time. And that's a, a big tool for them. The other interesting aspect is that you have uh, private unions, um, like, for example, uh, our local um, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, IBW 700, they uh, highlighted to me that the, uh, um, the pensions are super important to their uh, retirees, and they're not a public pension fund; they're private. So they have lots of money invested. This is just, this is not the the whole big nationwide brotherhood. This is just I'm talking about a local one here. They said they got millions invested in REITs, and they were asked this if they were able to if we could show them if the 1031 um, impacts uh, REIT investing, how the returns come back. And we had uh, Baker McKenzie did a study for us, and they we showed that to them and. Um, it does show that the 1031 is a vital tool to manage REITs, and REITs are a big part of um, not only union uh, portfolios for retirees, but teachers and lots of other folks. And so the 1031 is a tool for REITs to be able to um, sell their, their holdings and, and move in and out of assets to get the best uh, return for their investors. And people forget that when they talk about the 1031, they say, oh, this is for fat cats. Look at these big buildings and cities and stuff. But all those big buildings, um, most of them are related to real estate investment trusts, and they're related to the Main Street investor, uh, the working uh, person that's out there that needs to uh, you know, pay for their uh, <laughs> their regular living expenses. And uh, it's it's not to go buy yachts, it's to buy their, their food and, uh, and put shelter over their head. So it's it's really again as you said, Michael. This has been a part of our tax code for over a hundred years, and we uh, we have to continue as the the torch was passed on to us from um, our folks that came before us in the commercial real estate space, and we have to keep um, carrying the torch of the 1031 and and for commercial real estate, so that uh, the elected officials know not as I said before, to kill the golden goose. Oftentimes, real estate is looked at as the piggy bank for some of our elected officials, and, and it's important that we're able to educate them. It, when, we, um, when we go out to uh, and talk to members of Congress, it's, uh, you know, by either party, it's really, a, you know, when you talk about private property rights, it's really a very nonpartisan thing. When you're talking to, uh, to Democrat legislators, uh, I've had a variety of them who, uh, who own farms. Um, or one uh, in particular owned uh, a, 
a winery in uh, Napa Valley. And they were able to sell a, a rice farm and 1031 exchange into the uh, Napa Valley um, uh, the, the uh, winery. And the, the 1031 was a big deal to them. So um, so while you have members in Congress that, that do this, there are members that, that aren't into real estate. And that's what we have to be able to go and explain this will impact your community, especially in underserved areas. And everyone wants to, their community to be the best that they can be. And the 1031 helps people do that. Yeah. Yeah. Good points, Dan. And, you know, for the politician and voters that think that the 1031 exchange is just for the uh, rich, wealthy people out there, your example of the pension funds uh, is a great example. And the REITs that it's really going to impact uh, everyone should the 1031 uh, get limited. And as another uh, example, uh, it, it really benefits housing and very small investors who may be selling a, a, a house they, they fixed up and rented and, and selling it and, and buying another house and renovating it. It's creating uh, affordable housing as well. So there's just tremendous yeah. reasons. And and I think if, if our listeners think that, you know what, this is dad in his tracks, they've been trying to fight it for 100 years, we don't do, need to do anything. I disagree. I'm going to give you the website again where you can easily um, contact your congressman and, and let them know the importance of this. Because if we let this slide, uh, this could really hurt banks this could really hurt commercial real estate values. This could really hurt the economy and really reduce tax revenues and really put us in a bond. And don't think, you know, I, I just don't want my listener to think that, that this might, that this won't happen. It's eventually, you know, they're going to keep trying it and we need to get out there. So that website again is IPX1031.com slash action. Dan, what would you say to, to add to that? Do, do, should folks do something about this that are hearing this? Well, Mike, Michael, I, I, you, you really, you're, you hit it, you hit the nail on the head. It makes sense that people reach out to the member of Congress because clearly the 1031 is safe at this moment because we have a divided government. Um, so there, there's no, there's nothing imminent that will happen to the 1031, right? But the, the problem is, is that the president keeps putting this out there, like he did in his last budget. He, he keeps putting it out there, and, and um, our, our real estate industry came together and. This incredible coalition of organizations, um, the you know, National Association of Realtors, the Real Estate Roundtable, U.S. Chamber, the International Council of Shopping Centers, the um, Crefsi, um, you know, you name it, um, IPA, Adisa, a uh, whole, whole bunch of NAREIT, uh, Real Estate Investment Trust Organization, all the different groups came together. But one of the things that every person that works in advocacy in all of our associations that really represent us so well is that they all highlight that there's always new members of Congress coming in and there's a huge amount of turnover in the staff members. And so you have to constantly be vigilant and educate. And so what you're doing by highlighting why the 1031 is important is educating you. You're going to have people that when you contact them, they're going to say, oh, the, nothing's going to happen with the budget. It's dead on arrival. Okay. But I just want to make sure you know that this part of the tax code, the 1031 like and exchange is so vital. And then give your own personal examples of how vital it is, because without it, it would impact all of our businesses, as you can all imagine that we've just highlighted to you. But yeah, it's don't, don't take for granted that because there's a Republicans run the house and that uh, and this, they're able to stop uh, stop everything for the future because the future is is why we're always looking at educating members of Congress. We used to 
have this attack on the 1031, it'd be like every 10 years, every 20 years. And then everybody put their feet up on their desks with smoke of their cigars saying, oh, we're okay now. <laughs> and then, <laughs> nope, we're not going to, you're not okay now. Now, because of uh, 24-7 news cycles and a whole different world, um, we have to always be talking about this and always be on point. And it's going to be interesting because when, when you look at all the coalitions, people are surprised with all the different real estate organizations. You also have the American Farm Bureau and all the related organizations go along with that in regards to the, the corn producers. And I mean, you name it, you can just keep going down the list. And then the the Land Trust Alliance and the different conservation groups, because I, I can't, uh, people, people don't necessarily think about this, but when you have you have these conservation groups that highlight that the Mississippi River is uh, needing to have more um, more wetlands and uh, open space so that water, when it filtrates off the farm fields, goes through wetlands and there's um, there's certain types of plants and stuff that take away the nitrates. And if you're able to have more and more of those buffer zones, that will reduce um, the uh, nitrates and in going into the, the Mississippi River that goes to the Gulf of Mexico that creates a kind of a dead zone. And so it gets really interesting to find out that, yeah, it is a big deal for these different conservation groups to get farmland and to make it into wetlands. And, and they do that all the time. And that is a, a big deal in the environmental community. You have in Colorado, you had a whole big watershed area that was preserved from a 1031 that a farmer sold his ranch that was in the, the mountains. And that was a big uh, part of the, the water that goes into Denver. And that was through a 1031. You have a really cool estuary uh, place uh, out in Florida where you're you're able to have uh, this this beautiful area for birds and stuff in kind of the mangroves, but they there was a 1031 that that helped create that um, you know different um, parks and things. Um, so it's 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 pretty intriguing to hear about that and to know that it's it's even you know bigger issues than what people think of. So all of these different groups coming together really have uh, have helped to educate members of Congress, and you're able to uh, to go in and and explain how these private property rights are impacting uh, people. And you can talk it from a conservative standpoint, liberal standpoint, but we are all walking in together arm in arm. And it's probably one of the most bipartisan things in the tax code. And it, when when members of Congress start realizing that, it kind of blows their mind. They're like, oh my gosh, we didn't realize that. We just thought this was a, a way for people to, to not pay their taxes. Well, no, people do pay the taxes. And it's, again, what I keep going back to, it's the 401k of real estate. It's the way that you're able to grow your property um, with uh, pre-tax dollars yeah. and then eventually yeah. you pay it. That's right. And, you know, and if you think, uh, if you're listening to this or watching this, please share the show. And if you don't think you need to rethink it, you know, the, the deficit does need to come down, right? We can't keep spending more than we're bringing in. So there's going to be this push to to increase taxes. And, and uh, so I'll give you another uh, website. If you've got a pencil or pen or you're putting notes in your phone, uh, go to 1031buildsamerica.org. That's 1031buildsamerica.org. If you want to know more about this and really it, it, it cites a bunch of studies that show this would be really crazy to uh, eliminate or limit the 1031 exchange so you can learn more and, and share this. Dan, what would you leave our audience to think about uh, on this topic? 
Well, again, the best thing you can do is get to know who your member of Congress is at all times and get a working relationship with that, with their office, so that when issues like this come up, you're gonna be able to be a known trusted advisor for the member of Congress. And as a commercial real estate person, you really know what's important for your local community, and you you need to really be that trusted advisor. And if it's not us, who's it gonna be? There's nobody else that's gonna fill that void. So stand in the breach on behalf of our industry, and you go out there and, and work and, and make sure to build that relationship and defend and protect uh, our way of life. It's been uh, it's been a terrific way of life for many years, and uh, the, the people that came before us did all this educating and kept this in the tax code. It's our jobs to do the same thing now. So uh, go go out there and uh, and educate. And you, you know, you look behind me, you see Abraham Lincoln. I'm from the land of Lincoln. I'm sure there's some uh, there's some people in your life that you uh, you respect as well. So let's do it on behalf of the people that came before us, and let's do it for our future generations. For when all of our kids are going to be in this commercial real estate stuff, we want them to be able to use the 1031 exchange too. Well said, Dan Wagner. Thank you for joining us, sir. Michael, you are the best, and the, your listeners are lucky to have Michael Bull out there for all topics. So thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. And Dan, thank you again. And thank you for joining us around the country. Please do share the show, the video, uh, the audio. Please do go to these websites. I'll mention the, the IPX1031.com slash action again. We do need to get out and tell our politicians, uh, tell our voters and help them understand how this would really hurt the economy, help hurt housing, hurt banks, hurt pension funds. Uh, don't think it won't happen. We need to get out there and do something about it. Thanks for joining us. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. Com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you'll also find more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.